0: Welcome to the Urban Engine Podcast, propelling ideas forward. Hey guys, welcome to Urban Engine's first podcast. I'm Matt McClellan. I'm here with Trey Sharp and Tony Eberhardt of Urban Engine.
1: Yeah, so we're here. Um, very first time we're doing this podcast thing and super excited about it, of course. Um, you know, I think it kind of makes the most sense for us to talk about why we're doing this thing and what Urban Engine is. Um, Urban Engine is a nonprofit here in Huntsville. Alabama. We propel ideas forward and we're community based. So this podcast is really about us just getting community together and talking about all the things that we have going on around town.
0: Well, and we have so many great conversations like one-on-one or, you know, Trey and I'll go to lunch and talk about all the things that, you know, we're going through in our businesses day to day. And, you know, it's, it's great to kind of put that knowledge out for people too, because they might think like, oh, I'm having this issue. I'm not really sure how to handle it. Or, you know, wondering, like, what is it really like, like, operating a business on a database? Do you sit there in your, you know, nice office in a suit and tie and, you know, (laughs) just (laughs) hope that people do all the things, you know, and that's just not the case. So, kind of getting that real insight into, like, day-to-day entrepreneurship and, you know, running a business, what that really looks like, and, you know, all the anecdotes that come along with that as well.
2: And and this is probably a good place to, while we're introducing, um, Matt, why don't you tell listeners who may not be familiar with you uh, about Matt McClellan and, and... Absolute Nutrition and all the things you do.
0: Yeah, so uh, I first founded uh, Absolute Nutrition back in two thousand nine. So I've been doing that just almost right at nine years now. Uh, supplement retail shops with multiple locations, and you know smoothie operations, and even into the prepared meal business these days. And uh, launched another company uh, just a little over a year ago called Apparelab, Lab. Where we do actually direct to garment shirt printing and
2: production. Awesome. Uh, Tony, you want to introduce yourself uh, in addition to Urban Engine?
1: Yeah, for sure, Um, and I don't know how many people even know about who the heck I am or how I end up doing this Urban Engine thing, but um, for a long time I worked for the government. My background is in marketing, so I helped with Army Public Affairs for a while and made the transition over to commercial tech and just found that I was so passionate about technology and the direct contribution and how fast things happened in that environment Um, Got to thinking why there weren't more companies, startups here in Huntsville and where all these people were hiding out. Um, Wound up going to some urban engine programming and then before you know it, I was asked to start running the show and it's been a real um, awesome opportunity so far.
2: Uh, My name is Trey Sharp. I'm a CEO of a company called Sharp Communication and I'm also founder CEO of a, uh, uh, a tech startup called Tango Tango. Uh, here in Urban Engine, uh, I head up our speaker series where we interview all kind of awesome entrepreneurs from uh, recently uh, Amanda Howard, who's just a force of nature here locally in real estate, uh, to Shia Malikasas, um, the uh, CEO of uh, Bel mm-hmm. Uh We actually interviewed Matt uh, uh, months ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, and coming up this week, we've got an interview with uh, the $50 million man, Glenn Clayton. Mm-hmm um who has an awesome founding story with Appleton and Spur. So, but that was really the speaker series, I guess is kind of what got us thinking about the podcast because um we have one speaker series a month. There's only 12 months in a year and there's so many awesome entrepreneurs and personalities in Huntsville, North Alabama, right? Seriously. Um and that's not even including folks we could bring in from other areas. That's right. Um, You know, so a speaker series, we've kind of deliberately targeted folks who are very well-known in the community, who maybe have been doing it for a decade or more, or more established. Um, But we know that there's all these people who maybe are less well-known or just starting out that have all these amazing things to Mm -hmm. say and Mm -hmm. are doing cool things, and this podcast seems like a real great great place to bring those folks in. We'd also like to, you know, talk about local entrepreneurial news, startup news, who, who did a fundraise, who exited, um uh, all those sorts of different uh, kind of news topics and also just talk about as matt was saying earlier you know how do you handle this in your business you know and this is advice from local entrepreneurs who you can you know reach out email us call us whatever and you know maybe we can help you through something
0: yeah and we definitely want to make kind of an open forum for questions as we kind of get into this thing a little further along you know making sure that if any of you listeners do have questions about things or scenario that you're not really sure how to operate or handle like you know, let's pass it around and get it from some minds who might have been there, done that, that might have some advice for you. And, and, you know, we may not, too. We may have also run in that same run and go, you know, I'm not real sure the best way to handle that. This is how I handled it. I'm not sure if that's the greatest way, but, you know, it was a thing. So,
2: yeah. It's, it's true, though. Like, I, I, I find over and over, and this is what's been so fascinating in Speaker Series, too, is all these different verticals, all these different markets, completely different types of businesses, 80 90% of our entrepreneurship problems are the same. Mm-hmm. You know, like, have you dealt with this personnel problem? How, how did you handle this situation? Uh, there's different tactical stuff going on in each market, but the broad principles are often. What well, and
0: I think whether you're an experienced entrepreneur or someone just beginning as well, just hearing that someone else has gone through some yes. of those same stumbling blocks, uh, it, it's great to know like that you're not alone, right? Because everybody feels like they're alone or they're messing up or you know they're not really sure how to to work through these. And I can't remember there was a lunch I had with you know, an entrepreneur, and he was like, wow, I'm not a complete idiot. <laughs> and I'm like, well, you know, everybody everybody rolls through these things. Like, I remember, you know, one of Brandon's and I first lunch, like, it was the same thing. I was like, man, everybody goes through the same struggles, different levels, you know, not the exact same situation, but a lot of the stumbling blocks are the same. And so communicating those and, you know, just helping people to feel more at peace that Absolutely. you're going to run into problems at, at certain instances and, you know, there's yeah. ways around them. So
1: The yeah. dialogue is so important, too. I mean, I think... When you find yourself up against one of those hurdles, and you have the tendency to just kind of internalize it, it, starts to hold you back because you just don't know what to do. But the more we can talk about what those challenges are, and you know, commiserate sometimes, or pat each other on the back, and help us, you know, help one another get past it, the mm-hmm. quicker we can just move on from it and continue to succeed.
2: That's that's the biggest challenge with entrepreneurship, right? Like it's it's kind of lonely, you know. Like if you go work in sales or marketing <laughs> or, or a technical department of a company, you probably have several colleagues that are in the same boat that you are. But by as if you're an entrepreneur, by definition, you're kind of on a on a, on a island by yourself, mm-hmm. you know. So um, the uh, the sorry, Matt was taking a selfie of, of our podcast <laughs> here. Uh, <laughs> so uh, follow the Facebook page for that one. Um, but, you know, it's very easy to kind of think you're just on an island and nobody's had this problem before or, or you don't know who to talk to about it. So we hope to create a little more community around that, um, you know, here locally among the local entrepreneurs.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, Tony, do you want to go
0: ahead and just kind of give a brief intro of what Urban Engine is and what we do here?
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Um, Urban Engine, like I said earlier, it's just uh, it's a nonprofit organization here in town. It started um because there were entrepreneurs and people who had an interest in cutting-edge technology, startups, that kind of thing, who were looking for each other, eventually found one another and then started doing some different kinds of activities, um, you know, talking about startups like Airbnb and GoPro and how do they do things differently, um, ranging to just meeting up and busting out some laptops and co-working and saying, hey, I don't know how to do this. Can you help me figure it out? Problem solved, moving forward. And, you know, Urban Engine has really evolved into its, its formal programming of co-working night and 3210, Open Huntsville, the different hackathons that we have around town. But, um, you know, at its very, very core, it is just about community and helping one another propel ideas forward. Um, And talking about how we can help one another do that. Uh,
2: So, for somebody who's maybe listening who has never been to CoWorking Night or doesn't know anything about Urban Engine, where uh, well, first of all, you know, once you tell them about CoWorking Night, uh, because that's a regular thing. Yeah. And and also, where can they go to find you know schedule of upcoming events and things like that?
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. So the website is urbanengine.org, and we have all of our different. Programs there and ways to to find out how to figure out when they're going on or how to plug in. But um, coworking night is every single Wednesday. It's a great opportunity for anybody who's listening that is looking for others who are pursuing entrepreneurship, have an interest in startups, to find others who are like minded and doing the same things. We have it at Huntsville West, which is a really cool space. It's where we are right now recording this podcast. Um, Definitely always full of people during the day, but on Wednesday nights, Urban Engine kind of takes over and um, we've got some space for GSDing, socializing, and then we have a different schedule every week of workshops ranging from blockchain to machine learning, business coaching, photography, you name it.
0: Yeah, so one of the programs we have Uh, within Urban Engine uh, in addition to co-working night is 3210 Mm -hmm. where we have a couple different initiatives. Uh, One of those are deep dives where we kind of go through a founding story of maybe an existing company that hopefully you've heard of, some of the larger ones we've done like Spotify, GoPro, uh, Airbnb and just kind of look at who their founders are, you know, how they got started, where the idea came from in the first place, um, what their early days looked like as far as getting their funding, you know, getting their idea off the ground. Maybe their idea was entirely different than what it is now Um, Because those things kind of evolve over time. So that's what we do in our deep dives in 3210. We also have our speaker series that uh, Trey is our host for. And he does a fireside style chat with all of these entrepreneurs like he mentioned earlier. uh, Like another one of those coming up this week. And then we've got, uh, we'll do some startup drinks. We'll just kind of meet up and socialize. Just chat ideas or you know it's another place for you just to communicate with other entrepreneurs and talk about what's going on something you might need help with an idea that you're you're trying to refine and maybe move forward with and again you know Tony says GSD kind of lightly but I like to really put it out there it's getting shit done (laughs) and so we we like to really push people off the ledge for that one you know and and get them into their ideas like start taking steps forward and so that's another great opportunity to kind of get that feedback and uh, encouragement to move forward these things
2: yeah And, and I think that's that that's such an important point to make I mean all the you know, kind of sharing problems and solutions and all that is good, but but also a tremendous amount of value is just being around other people who are getting shit done, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, Gary Vaynerchuk talks about all the time, you know, like, uh, and I think it comes from an old Jim Rohn quote that, you know, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with, you know, and if you're around people who are like, hey, I'm going and doing this thing. Or, you know, I see, you know, Matt's launching a different initiative every month. You know, I'm like, hey, I got to get my shit together. You know, I got <laughs> I, yeah. I, I to gotta, I gotta do stuff like Matt's doing, you know. Get to work. And, uh, you know, if you're kind of hanging around people that are just kind of eating Doritos on the couch and, you know, going to Punch Clock somewhere for a few hours, then, you know, you don't really get that feeling. Mm-hmm. So, you know, this community, I think, just really makes you want to up your game mm-hmm. when you hang around uh, these folks. Mm-hmm. So, you know, listening to the podcast is great, but I really encourage you to, I think the real magic happens, you know, come out to startup drinks, come out to 3210 events, come to co-working night because those interpersonal relationships, uh, they'll, you know, change your life long term. Just being Absolutely. around people who are, uh, you know, excited and motivated. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. And I think that's a good place to actually get going in the podcast today is, you know, how do we just start? You right. know, it's, it's really easy to say, you know, just start or, you know, you should do that. But uh, what does that look like? Mm-hmm. You know, and how do you know when to just start? <laughs> You know, it's, I think that's where people get so paralyzed and, you know, they call it paralysis analysis and we all do it mm-hmm. at some point in time, but I think especially when someone is looking to first begin their entrepreneurial journey, you know, they get really intimidated by everything, you know, that leap, the standing for them, they see this, you know, maybe the five-year plan, they've got this thing in their mind, like we're going to do this, we're going to change this, but taking that first step is so intimidating. So, so what would you recommend to someone just getting started that, you know, to actually start that process kick off their business
2: you know i i think it starts with just what we're doing today like we didn't we didn't have this podcast all mapped out as the listeners can probably tell uh but I, I think you just have to get started doing something you know you start taking steps toward what you're doing if you think you're interested in startups or starting a business and you don't know where to go start coming to co-working night mm-hmm. or start coming to 3210 start or buy some business books or call up a local business owner and get some start taking some tangible steps um you know, I was just reading uh, some book the other day, I can't remember which one it was, but it was talking about how people fall into this cycle of just sort of daydreaming about whatever it is that, that they want to do one day. Right. And in a way, the daydreaming almost scratches the itch. They almost it live this fantasy life in their head of this business they're going to start one day or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, and one day, you know, months or years have gone by and you've literally not done anything, you know, mm-hmm. so... Uh, but, you know, Matt, I'd really be interested to hear your thoughts on this because you, you seem to, to me to be the master of...
1: Yeah, you're you, always putting you, boots to people's you starting, beds. <laughs> starting yeah. stuff,
2: and, and I don't know if you keep all of it going, but, you know, uh, or if you just test stuff, and, and, and then if it works, you keep it going. But, you know, you've started the Live Fit Meals and Absolute Nutrition, which is a pretty major yeah. uh, venture recently. You did Apparel Lab, and then you're already running multiple retail stores. Uh, and then, plus, you're like crazy fit uh, also on top of everything else. So, you know, how, how do you think about this? Uh, you gave a great talk. It actually had a 3210 uh, event. On yeah, that so, one
0: time. I mean, I've always been one to procrastinate, so that's the interesting thing. Like, I wouldn't consider myself like the executor by any means here that just gets all the things done, but I've always been a procrastinator. I mean you know, when it came to anything other than, you know, literally fitness, like when I was running cross country, like we just go run and do the thing, you know, but so when it comes to, to business, all of these things, I think it just comes in from a, kind of a, a no fear perspective that I had more of when I started, like, You know, I look back at all the things I've done over the years, and then even the things that I've written down as, like, an idea. And I didn't, like, look at that idea, jot down details, bullet it, outline it, and then, like, form this amazing plan that just rolled out. Like, there were things that I put on a whiteboard that, like, two years later, I went back and looked at the whiteboard and laughed because I did them, but I forgot that I even put those down, right, because I didn't take any action then. But I still wanted to do it, Mm -hmm. and so the first step was doing it, you know. And I don't mind talking about a little bit of more intimate details. Like, let's say more recently we launched the Live Fit Meals with an Absolute Nutrition. You know, I had from the get-go back in 2009 an idea to have a healthy grab-and-go meal be a part of Absolute Nutrition at some point. I wasn't sure whether that'd be a restaurant-type thing or if we'd contract that out. I had no idea because I'd been in the restaurant business right prior to opening Absolute, and it was a nightmare. So the last thing I wanted to do was open up my own restaurant, you know, so to say, inside the stores to just complicate things. But I always had this idea and years later, a company came along called Swell Food that did fresh prepared meals, and we could contract them out to have meals in stores. Like, check mark. You know, this is this is the, my answered prayer right here. Is this this business in inside Absolute Nutrition? I, I cater to my customers and give them this thing that I want to bring to them already. So that went for you know a couple of years, and it, there was good and bad there, um, but it, it definitely struck a market, and that was kind of when everybody started getting in the meal game as well. And so you know, other people come along. We ended up partnering with another local venture that was doing the kind of the same thing, but a little bit uh, kind of more upscale meals, a little more gourmet. Came from a chef, so the the options of the food were just great. Uh, a little more expensive, but you know, they were, the food was awesome. And so we did that for a little while, and largely, you know, that kind of tapered off a little bit, uh, just due to a smaller selection of items each week and a little higher price tag. And it was like, man, I really want to make this thing work. You know. They were, they were heading out to India for like a month, so we had no other options on the table. Interviewed another local company. That fell through, and I was like, all right, we're just going to do this ourselves. We're going to pair up with a local restaurant. So I emailed a couple people, and, uh, you know, Raul was pretty in tune with the idea. and was like, we can make this work. You know, we weren't sure on how the pricing and details were all going to pan out, but we're, we're going to make it work.
2: And for the listeners, you're talking about Raul or Beauregard. Yeah, Raul of
0: Beauregard's here locally in Huntsville and uh, Bo's Kitchen here soon, you know, so he's, you know, he's a restaurateur that I, that I know, you know, pays attention to detail and someone that I feel like I know I can trust uh, going into this. And so if I say, hey, we need four ounces of protein, we need three quarters of a cup of uh, carbs, et cetera, we're going to fall suit with that. And it's going to taste good too because he's going to make sure of it. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we just approached the idea and we're like, all right, where do we start? Let's start with like three or four items. And we jot him down on a sticky note in his office with one of his managers and said, okay, let's start here. You know, what's cost going to look like? He looks up a container, then I look up a cheaper container, we're like, cool, this one works. And I'm like, what are we going to do for labels? And I'm like, I can print labels in-house. We're good, you know, and I, I can create those things, so and we'll just go. And so where we started was just, you know, literally the the couple items we – First came up with. We had the names of them on the labels that I created myself, and we don't even have like a logo for Live Fit Meals yet. It's literally our two branding logos oh. put together, mm-hmm. and that works fine for now. You yeah, know, true. it's just like that that minimum product to like get going. Mm-hmm. So, do I want to brand it eventually and really launch it big? Yes, but it's working great as it is right now, and I can continue to kind of innovate and change that as we go. And I think that's important for all the listeners to understand: is you don't have to have everything worked out on this, you know, five-year roadmap from the mm-hmm. get-go. Like, you can just jump into it. And we didn't jump in doing 1,000 meals the first week and going, hope people buy this stuff. <laughs> right. You know, it, we jumped in and we're like, all right, let's put, you know, about 30, 40 meals in each store and tell people they're here and see what happens. Mm-hmm. And we did that for two weeks, and then we started taking orders. And, you know, we quickly ramped up to about 300 meals a week. Awesome. And so, you know, it was just it was just that little bit. You just got to get going, and it can be really small. And there's, there's no shame in being small at the get-go mm-hmm. or being – you know, not the best as far as presentation goes, because we've certainly changed a lot of that over time.
1: Well, and I think starting small is also really important, too. It's not just because it helps you just start. It also helps you see what works on a very mm-hmm. small level so that you can double down on those areas and grow in a way that's actually going to sustain whatever it is you're doing. So,
0: Yeah, and you're exactly right there. And, you know, so with my case in this, in this particular instance, we already had determined there's a market, right? Because we've been doing this for a couple of years. But in a case where maybe you've never done this before or unsure about it, yeah, you wanna, you wanna research and test the market first. Um, you know, that's, that's super valid. I mean, you know, I always recommend researching firsthand, but if you can start small and you can start now, I, I just say do it. I mean, yeah. there's, there's really no harm or foul in just trying it and seeing if it works. You may get really validating feedback that your idea was wrong or it just missed the mark. And then you can change that up and try again. Okay. You know, there's, there's really no harm in failing there. You know, as you fail each time you learn something so you're able to kind of tweak your idea or tweak your plan and move forward again.
1: Trey how are you kind of doing that with Tango Tango? I mean it's a, it's different but the same right?
2: Yeah yeah so you know I, I think to Matt's point earlier you know you there um people talk about you know you, you go to business school or whatever and you hear this talk about having a five-year plan or a two-year plan and and, and and honestly, I think a lot of that's kind of BS, really. You know, it's mm-hmm. like you, um, what you really need, there's value in the planning, but the plan is almost total crap. It's one right. of those things like everybody's got it's a plan, but they get change. punched in the face, right? Yeah, exactly. And that punch <laughs> in the <laughs> face is yeah. obviously
0: the market, like, correcting you or guiding you to yeah. the right spot. You right. Know? Yeah, because so it's
2: a thank you. You know, you sit down and try to work out this multi year plan based on what you think people are going to think about your product or. You know what you think, and, and, and but the reality is, the real world, there's all the kind of stuff you don't know, and, and you don't know how people are going to react to things, you don't know what sort of events are going to happen in your market or to the broader economy for that point. So, you know, it, it's almost more like you need like a 30 day plan, I, you know. And so, I, I think more about you know, and you, you kind of like, especially you go fundraise and everything we have in Tango, you have to have a business plan, you have to go through that process, but. don't think you need this rigid five-year plan two-year plan because you're going to get 30 days into that 60 days into that like we're about to close our fundraising round in tango now Um, and our business plan was written last april and it's like yeah yeah like 80 percent of that is like you know we figured out that's not Mm -hmm. that's not what we're doing now right Mm -hmm. Um, and then you know glenn clayton we're talking to tomorrow you know um, appleton learning they're doing 50 million a year now of uh, SaaS type revenue you know they're a software-type startup now, but they didn't even start that way. They started as a very, like, they're they're matchmaking tutors, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. kind of by hand, and, and, you know, they changed completely. They went down a path that Glenn will talk about tomorrow that um, they thought was gonna work, and it didn't work out, and they were kinda like, what are we gonna do? And Mm -hmm. they did something totally different.
0: Well, and even still with Tango Tango, like, you started with a different business model than you currently operate on, correct? Just as far as your your, your pay base?
2: We made all sort of, uh, you know assumptions about how the market was going to work, and so some of those things have turned out better than we thought. Mm-hmm. Some of them turned out worse than we thought, and you know, um, so I, you know, I, I think it's just one of those things that, that there's that there is some value in doing a little planning, but you don't need to be married to that plan. You don't need to expect that plan to be the gospel, you know, because uh, you just you just don't know. And so and, and so a lot of it is, uh, you know, like Gary Vaynerchuk talks about this all the time. Like he says he's a counterpuncher, right? You know, I think that's more what you want to be you you want to come in and be prepared to react and react well and sometimes being really dogmatic and and thinking that you have it all figured out um can really make you kind of deaf to what's actually happening there absolutely
1: absolutely yeah
2: so you know i i come in and try to be very um cognizant of hey what's what's going on try to be very um you know humble about like hey uh uh, there's one of the, one of the, the hedge funds. Uh, I think Andreessen Horowitz. They have this this motto: "Strong opinions, loosely held." Mm-hmm. And I think that's really where it's at. You know, you want to be you want to have a strong passion about something, but as soon as you see you're wrong, you want to be able to change that. Right? Yeah, and, do and
0: else. you know, other than just kind of putting that huge plan out there and being ready for the huge plan, I think uh, another big Reason why people don't start too is that that feeling of perfection, like they need to perfect oh, yeah. their idea or product or service yeah. before they hit the market. Um, you know, and I can attest to that personally being a huge failure. You know, like I always laugh about especially now, but, you know, I didn't have a t-shirt for Absolute Nutrition for two years, right? <laughs> and I, I'm two years, literally, and like people, customers always like man, I love a t-shirt. I'm like, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm working on it, and I was working on it, yeah. but I was so much of a perfectionist trying to figure out what color t-shirt do I want to do? Like, how many do I want to do? What, what kind of design do I want it? Does my logo even look cool on a t-shirt? Should I put it something different? No one's going to wear my logo, you know, and then mm-hmm. figuring out what kind of material it's going to be made of. Like, I like soft t-shirts, but what about this one? How many do I need to get made? How many sizes of each one? Because it's, there's really a lot of options like you can overwhelm yourself really quick and so I laugh now because I'm in the apparel business and so I see these <laughs> business owners go through the same things and so I'm like I just help them guide like really fast like help them make up their mind like okay cool I can't make up your sizes for you in quantities but here's what I would suggest like boom 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 these three options now pick right and so we kind of have to do the same things for ourselves sometimes like here's your options pick and go right, right? and that's that's that uh Perfectionist mindset—we have to toss it out the window because.
2: And, oh, yeah. and, I, and I think you said you're a procrastinator earlier. I think most procrastinators—it's not that, and I'm a big procrastinator, right? It's not that we're like lazy or anything. It's—it's. It's, I think eighty percent of the time, it's perfectionism. You know, it's 100%. like, oh man, I want this thing to be, you know, there's going to be like the perfect time to do it, and it's going to be like this awesome thing, and it's going to be magical, and it, you know, and it, and that's just not the way to get stuff done. In the well, and world. for
1: the procrastinator too, it's it becomes even more important to just start something, right? Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes I find myself procrastinating on a decision or oh, you know, yeah. trying to make moves on a certain program or idea or initiative, whatever it may be. And what ends up happening is that the way that it's meant to happen starts to happen anyway. But if you never just start, if you mm-hmm. never just speak it to existence. That, that can't even become a possibility.
0: And momentum is so important. You know, I think I think back, and I equate this to being a kid when your mom says, you need to go clean your room. And you go in, and you're like, oh, my gosh, like, I, this is a train wreck. <laughs> where <laughs> do I start, you know? And you're like, I really don't know where to start. And then you end up, like, playing with your toys, getting in trouble. And then, like, eventually you, like, put away one toy, and then you're like, okay. And so you just start inevitably working on this one part of the pile or these one one set of toys. And then you're working your way through everything, and you've got that momentum because you're actually moving and doing And it's the same thing in a business, like just getting that first thing done. Because trust me, I get it all the time, like that's why I cleared my inbox recently because I get so inundated with which one first, right? Right. So getting some email in action, like just making a move, you know, I I don't know if it was you or someone else talked about like finding the three things you can get done quickest, do those first and then move along. I 100% stand behind that. I think that anything you can find, easy and actionable, To make move in the right direction just do it you know
2: i think i think momentum is is so important you know i i took shark communication was kind of my my family's business uh i I took it over i guess about 18 years ago or so my dad was kind of like hey like i'm you know kind of want to get out of this or whatever and thinking about selling it unless you you know unless you want to do it and i was like no you know i want to do it i was working in the business and everything and the business you know had problems we had the wrong people and like we were You know losing money for a while there and you know had a big line of credit and this sort of stuff and you know we fixed all those things and became really successful changed markets and everything but but dealing with that situation is so much different than starting a new business because when you've got any kind of established business if you buy somebody out or take something on or whatever things are just kind of happening things things happen whether you're involved or not necessarily you know uh, and then it's more like well let's optimize this let's get the right people let's get rid of the wrong people do you know do different things like that but when you're starting something new it is all on you to create momentum mm-hmm. you know like mm-hmm. like if Urban Engine had been around for five years you would have like sponsors and folks that had been in the funnel for like two or three years and mm-hmm. they're just now coming in mm-hmm. right you know and uh, uh, nutrition business I'm sure there's people that have seen your your brand like two years ago and they just now, they, they're getting interested in getting fit, so they're oh, There's, into there's the people
0: that drive by in Decatur and like, oh, I didn't know you were here. And it's like, oh, cool. We've only been here nine years.
2: So, like, oh. <laughs> so, so the, yeah, know, I just stopped in. The, that's where the momentum comes from, right? But when you're starting something new, like it's all on you to like, you got to get some kind of critical mass, you know. And and uh, I kind of compare it to, like a, 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 an airplane going down the runway, right? Like you, you spend all this time getting momentum, you're gaining no altitude, and mm-hmm. it takes it takes it takes quite a while, and then all of a sudden, bam, you're taking off gaining hundreds of feet a second. Yeah,
0: and when you and when you really look at like the actual principle like break down all the niceties you know the shiny chrome wheels on the car of the idea that you're building and you look at it like i think about launch day for absolute 2009 you know i want to have this big opening i'm going to put food on the tables i'm going to have these really nice price stickers and like i thought these were super cool right like i'd taken my logo put the product <laughs> name in the middle instead of my name put the the retail price on there the discount off msrp like i was fancy no one cared about that and they wouldn't even stick to the beams to begin with so i spent hours editing all these price labels, printing them out, getting it just right, changing things, and then they wouldn't even stick on the stupid beams, right? (laughs) So then like half the store is like actually, so then I go back and like spray adhesive them. I'm putting them on the shelf. No one cared about the price on the shelf. No one even looked at that stupid sticker I'd spent so much time developing that showed them the discount off. It didn't matter that I'd wasted all that time and effort. What they cared about was what product was best for them, which was my recommendation, at the end of the day, you know, price did play some of the factor of it, but we can talk about that. Like, I can put a sticker on the top. It can be in my computer. Like, there's so many ways to approach that, mm-hmm. but I had this perfect scenario of how they were going to find out and realize the deal they were achieving <laughs> right there on my shelf that never even mattered, you know?
2: <laughs> right. And I think that's true for so many things, right? Like, it could be designing a website or designing an app or, you know, laying out your uh, the prices on your products. I mean, there's... Probably nine times out of ten, like the customer's not even going to care. Or you're wrong. You know, you're going to yeah. care. Right. Or, or, you're going to you change know, it anyway. Yeah. yeah. Or you're like completely offensive to them in the way that you did it that right. you wanted to. And, yeah, and, and I'm, I've and fallen I'm victim to that a number of times. And so.
0: I've completely changed my thought process on that over the years. Like, you know, I still do have these ideas that I think are great. And I do try to source the feedback from the market first to make yep. sure they're actually going to be great. Right. But but I'm, I'm fine when I'm wrong. like. I'm really not romantic about it anymore, like, oh, it should be this way, and there's certain things like, this is a principle, I'm gonna adhere to my principle. But there's other things where it's like, the market's the market. Like, if they want this, then I've gotta cater to it. You know, I I think back to a specific product years ago, I hated it, like, hated this product. It was just, in my opinion, garbage compared to the other things (laughs) in the market. But, you know what, I still had, Three out of ten people coming in the store asking for it. So I finally said, "You know what, stubborn Matt? I'm going to bring in that product for those people only. I'm still going to recommend against it because I don't like it. But <laughs> they want to buy it. I might as well sell it to them. Like, yeah. you know, it's not a bad thing for them. You know, it's not like I'm bringing in poison. But it's just not my ideal product for them. And so I would sell it to them, and I would still recommend why I would recommend something else. Sometimes that would make a switch in the sale, and sometimes they come to me later and be like, "What else is it you recommend? Mm-hmm. You know? And so it opened up a gateway for me. All in all, even though I was too stubborn to originally bring it in, so I'm okay." with being wrong in that fashion because I've seen myself be wrong enough and that be worthwhile along the way that I think it's uh, I actually feel good about being wrong these days yeah. you know sometimes. well and
1: wrong and failure are not the same things mean right. being, being wrong actually can lead you to success we talked about perfectionism and how that can contribute to paralysis and you know procrastination all those things but um, you know You gotta ditch the ego. You gotta just be okay with starting, and if you're wrong to start, that's okay. It's still forward progress.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think the person who like first came up with the tortilla, like it was probably not this perfect round tortilla that was eight inches in width, right? (laughs) And you know, delicious made out of flour. It might have been flat, not fluffy. It might have been square. It might have been four inches. And then uh, over time, working with consumers, they realized, hey, this thing needs to be bigger. Round is cool. Like we can do some things when it's round. Like you know, they just started editing these things as they go along based on their feedback. And I think all ideas are like that. And so if you're thinking about this idea now that you want to pursue, you know, I would just encourage you to start making forward momentum, like just getting into it, mm-hmm. um, whatever that looks like on step one, do step one. And,
2: and I think one of the best things that we, we kind of light, very lightly touched on a lot earlier that I think you can do to help get momentum if you're looking to start something new is to get, get other people looped in with you, you know, because mm-hmm. it's so easy when it's just you by yourself and you've not really told anybody about it or nobody's doing it with you, just like today, right? Like, you know, we, Matt, Tony, and I all have different things going on, but we had put this on the calendar and we had said we're going to do this today. And so, you know, if one of us was kind of having a busy day, you're going to kind of feel guilty ducking out of it or whatever, you mm-hmm. know, because you said you'd do it, said you would be there. Um, so, I, you know, it comes back to being part of the community, you know, it, either your own community of your own friends or come to co-working night, come to 3210. Get other people that are interested in the same things you're interested in. Kind of use that uh, that social aspect, even if you're just guilting yourself into right. doing something. Yeah. You know, it's, it's like if you got a workout partner, right, you're a lot more likely to go work out. For sure, um, yeah. The power of accountability,
1: have... right? Yeah, accountability.
2: That's, that, that's the word. Um, so, you know, I know Matt's kind of been charging ahead on his own on a lot of his stuff, um, although he's got a team around him. But uh, so I don't, I don't know how much you've experienced that, Matt. But um, you know, I know here in the Urban Engine Group, I mean, we've got we've got a well, strong I, team around. I, us I would of say of
0: that for a long time, I didn't have a lot of accountability because. Maybe some of our, my employees like didn't want to try to hold me accountable when I said I was going to do something. And like these days, I'm like, hey, hold me accountable too. Like If I tell you something and I come back to you and follow up on this and you don't have it done, like I'm trying to hold you accountable. I want you to do the same thing for me. If you need something from me and you ask it and I say, yeah, I'll get that done. And then I don't. Hold me accountable too. Like. Mm-hmm. I need that. You know, everybody needs that. There's times where I'll flow and I'll get everything you ask me to be done. And there's other times where I might forget or it slips my mind. And so it's completely okay for you to hold me accountable on that when you need to get something done. And I think a lot of times, you know, teams and organizations are afraid to do that, especially to like the quote boss, right? But I mean, at the end of the day, I'm just another person, you know, I'm I'm forgetful too. Um, So we can make each other better if we do have that accountability standard. But so, you know, that kind of almost leads into what... We, we wanted to talk about kind of next year, like as you do kind of grow, at what point do you kind of outsource some of those things? Maybe for, uh, to kind of relinquish some of that accountability almost, you know, to, to put someone else in that driver's seat, mm-hmm. you know, if, if we need to get, you know, a really fancy spin up logo for this <laughs> podcast or whatever else, right? Like, would, would we do that ourselves? Because I don't think any of us are an animator, right? We'd probably send that out somewhere else. And so what does that look like as you grow? Like, when do you start outsourcing some of those things? Trey, you've got to, pretty big organization with Sharp Communications, you know, a lot of years into the belt, like, when did you start outsourcing, like, marketing or PR or decide that, you, hey, we actually need a PR person because we never had that before.
2: You know, you know, it's really easy to hold on to all that stuff yourself, right? Especially if you feel like you're able to figure it out, you know, you're like, oh, I'm not going to pay for that, you know, <laughs> uh, or, or I want it a very particular way, so I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it my way, you know, so I, I was probably the world's worst in this area for probably the first 10 years or so. No, I'm worse, area. I promise. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it was like, I had to do like the website myself. I had to do all kind of, you know, admin work and other stuff myself. And some of that was probably kind of what I call like a owner's kid syndrome, right? Because there's so many, I've known so many owner's kids that are just total, they're totally not suited to the business. Let's put it that way, you know? And And so for me, it was like, I almost wanted to, Almost like murder myself or something to show. Oh, I'm not too good to do whatever, you know. Whether it's, you know, doing the paperwork or sweeping the floor or doing the website or whatever. And but as you as you come along, you kind of realize, hey, that's not really the right way to do your business, especially if you want to grow. Because you're, you know, I think there's this interesting kind of dynamic that when that a all of us get in this mindset from when we're teenagers or young adults we have this huge surplus of time, right? Like mm. we're, we're like, oh man, I'm bored, you know? And, and I think it carries over to when we're adults, we don't put enough value on our time. And, and really, as you come up through your career, time is your most valuable resource. Well, let's know? talk
0: about how much time you really have these days with a family <laughs> and both businesses and everything else.
2: So, so yeah, so, so I think what really turned, turned things for me for the better was you know I I finally got to a place where if I felt like if somebody in my organization could do the job 80 or 90 percent as well as I could or in most cases better than I could I just turn it over to them you know Mm -hmm. and and sometimes like they're gonna make decisions that maybe maybe you're not the craziest about you know maybe it's not the way you would have done it right but it's not worth damaging the relationship or their confidence To come down on them about some little something that you know is really just a preference, right? Like oh, I wanted the T-shirt to look this way, right, or whatever.
0: Yeah, and and again, that perfection—it goes back to that perfectionist mindset, right? Of like you have that control, you have this perfect idea in your brain. But you know what I found a lot of times too, like what you said—you know, you're thinking, okay, this person can do it, you know at least as good as I can, if not better. Sometimes their ideas are way better than mine. Yeah, and like and I, time, I love when I that happens. Like, right. please yeah. prove my idea wrong, right. you know? Yeah. And then go do it. And then do <laughs> yeah. it, yeah, because you got it done, and I'm still over here perfecting it in my mind and not getting it done because I don't have time, and it's not the priority yeah, on my exactly. schedule. or. Right. You know? And most
2: of the time, that's what happens, because you get somebody into it that is more excited about it than you are. They're more passionate about that thing, whether it's graphics or, uh, you know, t-shirt design or website or or you know just some part of your business and and you know it's like you're being pulled 100 different directions so you're just kind of while you have this perfectionist vision in your mind you end up doing it at the last minute and just trying to do the best you can with it so um
0: you know i think there's a coupling there too between kind of our first point in this one too like you know, when to start and then outsource. Like I think sometimes when you want to get that new initiative that you don't have the time for and you don't have it perfected yet, like you just want to get it going, finding somebody and letting that be their baby is yeah. huge. Mm-hmm. You know, I think about something we're trying to work on with some of the local fitness facilities now and like I immediately take that idea and then I 20X that idea in complicatedness before I get it to <laughs> anybody's hands, you know, and I'm like, stop it. This is what you <laughs> always do. I mean, I had like this conversation with myself this weekend. I'm like, this is what you always do. You take this one idea that's great. And then you try to maximize its greatness before you even get step one done. Like just freaking do it or hand it to somebody else and let them do it and one or two times a month. That's great. The 10 times in your mind is awesome, but let's start with one first and get it done. But
1: Matt, I think that's one of the things that make you such a great entrepreneur is that while yes, you can execute, you're also a dreamer. And so it's important for you to have the time so that you can dream, so that your business can grow. And so, I think for our listeners out there who maybe are at a growth point where they're trying to figure out where do I bring in help, when do I outsource, um, and your time and your creativity and your ability to be the visionary for whatever company or startup it is that you're running is so important. Um, but if you're, you know, bogged down in the minutia, yeah. you can't do that.
0: Yeah, you really can't. And, and that's that's exactly why outsourcing is is so important and something that I've I've got to get better at because I, you know, I tell. Trey and Brandon all the time, like they're they're just master delegators, right? And I'm so bad at it, you know. Uh, it used to be more bad at the communication of the ideas. Like I would try to delegate it, and would just be it'd be my fault because I wouldn't communicate it well. Because you know, you always get in that thing where you're like, you're in a conversation with somebody, or you walk back up to Trey and you're like, yeah, we should do that thing, and Trey's like, what thing? Right. You've got you've got all these great things spinning in your mind, and you've had like you've talked about one little snippet of it in your conversation, and your brain goes back into this full on thing, but you don't communicate that, and so I think. You know, when you do outsource those things, like you have that thing and you're like, someone else can do this, or I need someone to take this on. Fully communicating your expectations, or at least the outline that you've started and envisioned, is super important there to make sure that you are going to get what you want. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, they may very well take that inkling or little seed of an idea and make it way better than your idea. And that's great. But I still think you should communicate upfront what your idea's purpose was in the first place, or what that full encompassing idea is. Right. And, you know, because that's another part of delegation, too. Yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah you, I think you definitely, you want to delegate it, you want to delegate the authority, you don't want to abdicate the authority, you know what I mean? Like You, you, you want to um, communicate what the mission is, how, what you want to get done, and then follow up and, and see what's actually gotten done and see how that aligns with uh, with your initiative, you know? And, and, and I think uh, if you get good, if you got good people, um, which I've, I've been very lucky to have, most of the time you're like, holy cow, this is a lot better than, than what I expected, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I I, I just thought, I think that's so important because because the the true bottleneck over time it it becomes it becomes your time you know it's it's not I mean money is a bottleneck at certain times but you know put it this way if you lose some money you can make it back later you can never make back time that you lost. That's a know? great point. Um, so and 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 to getting something started, I think that's the biggest thing is how much is you investing time in it like 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 we were saying earlier you know you have no momentum in something new. So the only way to create momentum is to invest your time in mm-hmm. it. If your time is caught up in minutia of of other things, um, I mean, we could be talking about starting a new venture in your current business here. We could be starting a, you could be talking about starting a side hustle. You know, it's not the, um, it's not the days that you only put 15 minutes or 30 minutes into your new initiative that are gonna kill you. It's the days you put no time into that, right. that new initiative. For sure. And, and that's what usually happens, you know, like oh, well, okay, well, just one day out of the week, I got a little time, and I kind of feel like working on it. So, you know, I'm going to dabble with it a little bit. um, And then three weeks go by, you didn't do anything else with it, you know?
0: Yeah, and I think, you know, so the, the hard part about this, though, is knowing when to outsource or what to outsource. Like, you've got so many initiatives in your organization, right? So many moving pieces and parts. How do you decide or prioritize what you should work on and what someone else should work on? Or how do you separate that out?
2: I mean, I think that's the that's the big question, right? I, and this is something I've started thinking about the last few years. Uh, I read uh, the Four Hour Work Week, uh, the Tim Ferriss book, which I highly recommend. To everybody. So, do you now
0: have a four-hour work week? No, definitely yeah. not. Uh, so, I think a lot of people see that title, myself included, and go. That's impossible. Like, it it there's is. There's no such thing as a four-hour week. but that's yeah. just the mentality of it, right?
2: Yeah. yeah, the idea was, like, what's the minimum effective dose, right, to get sort of my meet, my weekly have-tos done so that all these want-tos and all these new initiatives, I can go invest my time in those, you know? And uh, I think one of, one of the best points that, that you know, it kind of hit home with me early there is I, I think a lot of us we've got productivity all wrong, you know, like we're putting all of our reminders in iOS reminders or you know, OmniFocus or Google Tasks or whatever, and once they all kind of get on a list, it's sort of like, well, you know, these are. it kind of feels like they're all sort of of equal importance, you know? Mm-hmm. So what are you most likely gonna do when they're all on a list? You're gonna go do the things that are easiest to get done, that are it's most defined how to get this done. Mm-hmm. Like, um, you know, filling out some report or whatever. But the things that produce the most value are rarely well defined. Like you got to go figure out how to make how the hell to make it work, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's usually the thing you're most uncomfortable with. So I think you have to really start thinking about the things you want to do by, you know, what's the real impact this doing this thing could have on my life or my business or mm-hmm. the things around me and you know what's really going to happen if I don't do this thing I mean maybe it's on my to-do list but really maybe it doesn't freaking matter if I do it or not at the end of the day you know it's maybe it's not really a big impact but I think so many of us we're driven by what seems urgent or you know what somebody around us emailed us about that morning or or whatever and, and we kind of uh you know, in the seven habits, the Steve the Steve Covey thing, he talks about the urgent versus the important, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it's so easy, I think, to just get caught up in the what seems urgent and maybe it's really not very important. So, you know, I, I think it comes down to asking yourself what is really important, what can really have a high impact, and then focus your time on those things, or at least do those things first.
0: Well, and some know? people take a direct correlation of, you know, revenue or monetary value to their time, right? Like, uh, someone more recently I saw mentioned, you know, they were talking about categorizing ideas as a $1,000 idea, a $100 idea, and a $10 idea. I
2: love that. Right? Yeah. Because then
0: you can really value, like, this is that $1,000 idea, like, this matters. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Um, Or sometimes, but, you know, sometimes there could be a couple of those $100 ideas that, like, they're pretty vital to the organization. And, like, while they're not a huge value compared to this thing, like, they are more you know, urgent to be done now, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I think it's a, it's a tough balance, and then sometimes you get a little time to work on the $10 ideas that are the niceties, like maybe the perfecting the shirt, right? <laughs> Things like that, you know, but uh, again, you know, so that's that's an interesting thing that I've, I've wondered more of, because like I said, I'm really bad at it. So if I'm outsourcing, like how am I determining what I need to outsource and what I need to spend my time on? Because I'm, you know, we talked about being lazy or whatever is procrastinator. I feel like because I'm not so lazy, that's a problem. <laughs> and I am less likely to look for someone else to do it because I want to do it all myself. Because I don't yep. feel like I'm, I feel like I'm being lazy if I give it to someone else, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. And that's, and that's a problem. That's exactly
2: how I felt. Yeah.
1: yeah. Well.
2: And, and and I've come to kind of flip that on its head a little bit. Of you know like, I and, and I was talking with Brandon uh, Cruz about this at the last uh, after the last speaker series. You know, I think there's a lot of people out there that they're really executors. You know, they're not really big dreamers like like, like you are that come up with ideas and they really need somewhere they can go execute, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm gonna guess probably 10% or less of the population is really dreamers, you know. So, you know, your job as a dreamer is really to create those opportunities for those executors Mm -hmm. to come into your organization. And then if they can bring more value back to the organization than you're paying them, you know, your for-profit business, of course, then, you know, they got a good career out of that, uh, getting good experience. And uh, they're helping your organization and then you're freeing your time up to go work on whatever your next dream is. right. Mm-hmm. And I think
0: you know part of the outsourcing thing too that kind of determining uh, when or why to outsource you know also comes in the form of speed, right? Because you know I think about things like design, like, okay, I've got a degree in design. like I can do design now. I'm not as creative of a graphic designer as graphic designers are. Like they're much more creative than I am. 90% of the time, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so if I can effectively communicate my idea, they can do it better. Yeah. Um, but if I don't have somebody at hand that can do this thing, like, and I need this thing by tomorrow, who's going to get it done? Like, if I need this and it's going to take me 30 minutes to get it done, but take someone else five, hmm. I'm probably just going to do it because it's going to take me more than 30 minutes to try to find somebody to do mm-hmm. this thing. But so I think that's an interesting balance, too, of like when and why to outsource, too, because for someone like yourself or my, you know me I feel like I'm very capable of a lot of things but it might take me 10 hours to do this website thing and someone else too and so we're we're looking at a lot more speed and also freeing up 10 hours of my time by passing it along to them you know
1: yeah so it's being aware consistently of where you are spending more time than is necessary on a specific area on or on a specific set of tasks so knowing you know of course when you, have a, when you have a baby, right, you think that you are the best person to take <laughs> care of that baby and no, no one else is capable of taking care of that baby in any way than you are, right? So whether that baby is actually your physical human being um, or your business, your startup, or your project, whatever it may be. Um, at first, yeah, you're probably going to need to do all the things, but then as it grows, maybe there are some things that other people can do better. Heidi Pippins at uh, working Night a few weeks back was talking about how she found herself cleaning Sweat Local her gym, um, which was fine at first, right? Because that's where they were at as a business was she had the time and um, she just felt she wanted to do it, that she was the right person to do it. But then business started to pick up and it started to grow and they started to incorporate all these different initiatives and growth opportunities. And she was still trying to clean her gym, right? So there came a point where she had to say, someone else can do this as well for minimal cost than me. Um, so you just have to have that consistent awareness, I think, to know when to outsource and why.
0: Absolutely.
2: Mm-hmm. And you know, and as a related discussion, I think you know, a lot of these same principles come back to what you would um well you'd bring a co-founder into an idea and 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 things of that nature you know because you I think you really want to spend your time doing the things you're best at Mm -hmm. you know you'll be happiest doing that and your business will be best off doing that you know and if if you're not super happy doing it if you're not super good at it there probably is somebody who is really good at it Mm -hmm. so um you know, it's all about putting the best team together. You know, if you, if you try to make a wide receiver play offensive tackle, it's probably not going to go really well. Um, but, you know, that doesn't mean that, that that person's can't add value to the team, right? Uh, yeah,
0: and to your point, Tony, you know, about as the business evolved, things change. You know, social media was always one of those things that I took very seriously because I really cared about our image and how we put ourselves in front of our customers, right, and the public. And so over time as that became the bane of my productivity to be able to get these things out and get enough content mm, going yes. and yeah. needing, needing more feed in, you know, I try to pull yeah. from our team of people to go, you know, hey, I need help with doing this. And then I'm like helicopter, you know, I don't know, parenting this operation, like watching <laughs> yeah. everything they're doing, the words they're saying, the hashtags they're using and like, you know, Acc- accurate, and then they're like afraid to move parenting. because, yeah, th- <laughs> then they're afraid to move because I'm just so on top of them. And, you know, then I'm back to, like, I'm just going to do it myself again. And then I'm like, this is a dumb idea, Matt. Like, you've got to get out of doing this all yourself. You can do some of it yourself. Mm -hmm. But, like, pass it along. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, there was a a period where we had a couple other people handling social media within our organization that didn't do the ideal thing that I wanted, but it still worked great. Mm -hmm. And they got out some better ideas that I didn't think of either. They put their own spin on things. And uh, that was one of the best decisions ever was to, to pull that out. And then now we have... You know, our team is more or less taking that over, for the most part, um, off of my hands. And they're, they're so much better public facing than I am because I will I will have to dedicate time to sit and think and then create that content rather than just, like, take something off the cuff and go with it because I'm being pulled in a million different directions. So, yeah, I mean, outsourcing that to the rest of the team has been huge. You awesome. know,
2: I find, for me, the marketing thing is something I really need to outsource because it's, like, I feel like I'm kind of picky about it, you know, and I want it to be a certain way, and so I just end up not doing anything with it, you know, we're not doing as much as I should with Mm -hmm. it, Mm -hmm. and uh, and like you're saying, if if somebody else, uh, you know, if having it done and pretty good is almost always better than having it not done and perfect.
0: Well, you know, and part of the interesting thing I've found more recently, too, is like, we definitely hire based on our values for the organization mm. so if you've got people within your team already like they're gonna share the same mindset and values that you have yeah. so if they're getting on camera and talking about it if they're getting in uh typing up this this post on on facebook or instagram like they share the same values as you like why would you question what they're gonna put out there and i had to you know have that conversation with myself and go look there there's better than you are like they have a, a better smile on their face and you know a, a longer, more in-depth message than you would have had because they're not overthinking it. But mm-hmm. they share the same values, so they're getting the same message across in a better way, and they're getting it done now. Mm-hmm. So,
2: And I think that's the biggest key to being successful, is, or, or at least it's the biggest thing for me, is you know um, just find people that are better than you. You know what I Absolutely. mean? Absolutely. I think there's a lot of people that they almost want to hire people they don't think are as good as them so that they can be the star or... You know, and it turns into like a genius and an army of helpers kind of model. Um, but for me, I, man, just, there's so many smart people out there. You know, look for people that are, that are better than you, at the things you want to get done. And, and a lot of people are just looking for a vision or, or a mission and, you know, you kind of build a team around that. Uh, mm-hmm. And it all kind of works out from there.
0: Yeah. So kind of want to wrap this up for this first podcast, guys. Appreciate you listening if you've made it this far. Um, we're definitely going to have a lot more topics coming forward. Um, Tony, if they have questions right now, what would be the best email for them to send to maybe get some questions on the podcast?
1: Okay. Uh, admin, A-A-D-M-I-N, at urbanengine.org.
0: All right. Great. But, guys, if you do have any questions or a topic that you want us to dig into and kind of talk about, um, of course, we'll always be sourcing those kind of uh, questions and answers from you guys. But, uh, you know, we'll kind of throw some things in the mix from ourselves, too. But uh, thanks for listening, and I hope to tune in next time.
2: Thanks, everybody. Thanks.